0: of you who are staying. Uh, again, my name is Stuart Mazell. Thank you for being here. Uh, thank you for choosing to worship with us today, whether in person or online or even listening by our podcast. We're going to continue in our series on connecting with God. And in this series, we've been talking about various ways of how we as human beings actually connect with the Divine One, with God Himself. And today we're going to be looking at James chapter 4, verses 6 through 12. Let's hear what this passage has to say about connecting with God. It starts with, but he, that is God, gives more grace. Therefore, it, and now he's talking about the scriptures there, says, God opposes the proud Father, as I, as I come to uh, preach this message, I first of all just have to admit how much pride there is in my own heart. Um, please forgive me. And root that pride out that I could be humble the way Jesus is humble, that I would grow in humility. And I ask that not only for me, but for this, your people, your congregation, that you would root out pride in our lives and cause us to grow in humility. As we say we want to draw near to you, knowing that you would draw near to us we know we need to humble ourselves so that you would exalt us, so that you would lift us up. So today, I would ask that by your spirit, you would humble us before your word. That our hearts would be soft and pliable in your hands. And we would grow to be humble people who want to hear from you, and connect with you, and relate with you rightly, through Jesus. And it's in his name we pray this. Amen. Uh, Dr. David Burns is a psychiatrist and author of several best-selling books. And he tells the story of a couple in need of real relational help. He calls them Donald and Victoria, not their real names. And uh, there is a lot going on in this relationship. I'm not gonna share all of it because it would take too much time. But needless to say, both Donald and Victoria have hurt each other and have been hurt by each other. And that hurt usually leads them to hurt more hurt the other person more. And it's just a spiral that they're in. Probably the last straw for them in order for them to go to counseling was when Donald had an affair. And Victoria found out about it and was devastated. The affair went sour and Donald wanted to come back and Victoria was willing to take him back, but they needed counseling and so They went to Dr. Burns. They came to try to salvage their marriage. And in one of the sessions, Victoria says how hurt she was, how humiliated she was, how angry she was that her husband had cheated on her. And Dr. Burns listened and Donald listened and then Dr. Burns turned to Donald and he says, okay, do you have anything to say to your wife in response to this? And this is the quote that Donald said. Quote, he was sorry about the affair, but thought it was time for her to stop obsessing about the past so that they could move forward with their lives. He was tired of having to apologize over and over and that her constant complaining and criticizing him was bringing him down. End quote. As you can imagine, that apology did not go very well with Victoria. I bring that up because Dr. Burns uh, points out that it would have been better if Donald had, had, had at least admitted, you're right, I hurt you. If he had just acknowledged, yes, I see that you're angry and I can understand why. If he would have just admitted, yes, I have betrayed your trust and your right to be upset with me. If he had just showed compassion and said, Victoria, I'm so sorry that I have hurt you. I want to do whatever I can to make it right. If he had shown any kind of remorse, Victoria, I am so sorry. I can't believe that I allowed myself to mess up our marriage this way then maybe they would have a chance in moving forward in their relationship. But underneath it all, Dr. Burns goes on to explain that one of the things that Donald really needed was humility. That if he had shown humility that day, all those other things would probably have come also. Uh, Another research psychologist, Natalie Embach, in her piece, Four Ways to Practice Humility in Relationships, says this, Humility is an essential characteristic of meaningful relationships. It inspires growth within each person and nourishes our basic human need for relationships. Humility generates connection. And connection is the bedrock upon which we hope, purpose, and meaning flourish. It's the bedrock upon which hope, purpose, and meaning flourish. Did you catch? Humility generates connection. And if we want to connect with one another, we've got to show humility, at least at times. If we want to connect with God, humility is vital. In the series so far, we've talked about how connecting with God can only be done through Jesus. That shows some humility. We've also seen that connect to God, when we connect with God, it is partly through engaging with His Word. That also requires humility. Last week, we talked about how connecting with God comes when we pray to God, and that too Shows humility so basically everything that we've said so far is focusing us on this one virtue humility and so today that's what we're going to talk about humility is an important maybe even the important way we connect with God humility is an important way we connect with God Think about the following passages of Scripture. Isaiah 57, 15 says, For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, whose name is set apart from creation and sin. This is the God who has created all things and sustains all things. This God who inhabits eternity. He says, I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit. Someone who's humble. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. And then we see in Isaiah 66 too, something very similar. This is the one to whom I will look, God says. He who is humble and contrite in spirit ...and trembles at my word. Ladies and gentlemen... ...God is near to those who are humble. And if we want to connect with God... ...humility is right there in the center. And and as we read in James 4 today... ...we see that same concept. Verse 6... He, that is God, gives more grace because the scripture says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I, I don't know about you, but if there's anybody I want to oppose, it's probably not God. And yet, that's what pride does. It makes us go, you know what, I know better than God. I think I'm better than what God says I really am. I think God is wrong. That's what pride really does. And that's why God opposes the proud. Because we, when in our pride, oppose him. But those who come to God humbly, those who admit, this is where I am, those who don't have any pretense, but they just simply say, here's where I am. I'm a sinner in need of grace. I am a broken person who needs you to change me from the inside out. That person, God draws near. He gives grace. Think about it this way. For those of you who are parents and you had to survive through the terrible twos, you remember what those days were like? How receptive is a child who is going through a temper tantrum? You know, the scrunched up little face that got the fists balled up like this. How receptive is that child? to your correction, to your encouragement, sometimes even to your comfort. They're not very receptive at all, are they? The same is true for us. That's what pride does to us. It makes us a terrible two. And we scrunch up our face and we ball up our fists and we say, God, I don't want you to do anything for me. I want to do it my way. And God opposes that because we're not receptive to what he has. But if we were to simply to unscrunch up our face, to open up our hands and be receptive and say, you know what, God, you're right, I'm wrong, help me. God is there in that very moment. You see, the problem is pride. Pride is the root of most, if not all, of our God-connection problems. If you and I are having God-connection problems, it's most likely because of pride. Now, I say most, if not all, because sometimes there's ignorance too. And nobody wants to be called prideful or ignorant, so you're welcome. But that's where we all are. Pride is the root of most, if not all, of our God connection problems. Again, verse 6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. If we really want to know God in all of his fullness and we want to connect with him well, we need humility, not pride. C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, and I've got a couple of quotes from C.S. Lewis today uh, because he's really good on this partly because he recognized that he was a prideful man and he needed God's grace. In Mere Christianity, he says this, the Christians are right. It is pride which has been the chief cause of misery in every nation and every family since the world began. Other vices may sometimes bring people together, You can find good fellowship and jokes and friendliness among drunken people and unchaste people, but pride always means enmity. It is enmity, and not only enmity between man and man, but enmity to God. In other words, there are all kinds of other vices, other sins that we commit that they may actually bring people together for a moment or two, But pride always pushes people away, always, because we're so infatuated with ourselves that we don't want to have anything to do with anyone else, unless they too are infatuated with us. Think about Donald and Victoria from the beginning of the sermon. I would say that Donald's pride kept him from humbly receiving what Victoria had to say to him. He was defensive. Defensiveness, sign of pride. If someone is trying to tell you how you need to be corrected and you get defensive, that's a pride response. Some people may say, well, Stuart, no, it's a shame response. I'm ashamed of what I've done, and so I react defensively. Shame and pride are the same coin, they're just two different sides. They're the same thing, just in different ways. One is puffing ourselves up, and the other is putting ourselves down because we think we ought to be better. They're both pride. So Donald's pride kept him from hearing what Victoria said, and he became defensive. He dismissed the seriousness of the affair. He he believed he knew what what would be best for their relationship and Victoria just didn't get it. If she would just get it, then their relationship would be fine. He criticized Victoria for talking about how she felt. And all of this is pride on display. And it did not bring Donald and Victoria closer together. It moved them further apart. Now, let me just say a word to husbands for a minute. If you find like me that you're a little bit like Donald, it, it's a good day for us to to admit that. That we, we can be defensive. We can be dismissive. We can Hear what our wives have to say to us and think, well, she's just not getting it. If she just understood, Lord, forgive us and help us to be humble. But you know what? All of us are in this boat because when God speaks His word to us, we have to ask, how do we react to His word? How do we react to God speaking to us? Do we humbly receive what he says to us always, or do we get defensive? Are we dismissive of what God says? Do we believe we know what is best, and God just doesn't get it? Do we argue with God, or even criticize God, for saying things that we don't agree with? You know, just full disclosure... This happened to me just this week, going through Joshua. And I come across a passage. I won't go into all the details, but I come across a passage, and I'm going, what in the world? That can't be right. And someone else pointed out to me what that passage really meant, and I go, okay, that makes sense. But my first reaction wasn't, Humble acceptance. Well, if this is what God says, it is true. No, it was. No, that can't be right. I'm right. This must be wrong. That was my reaction. My guess is that sometimes we all have those reactions about certain parts of Scripture that we really wish that weren't there, that show us something of God that doesn't quite fit into our way of looking at Jesus or looking at God. And what God tells us in verse 10 of James 4 is to humble ourselves before him and he will exalt us. Humble ourselves. And he humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. This is a promise as we humble ourselves, he is faithful to lift us up. All right. So I'm going to need some water for this. So, uh, I was just going to end this sermon with uh, verse 10, the passage for this sermon with verse 10. And um, I was reading for context, and I recognized verses 11 and, and following fit with what we're talking about today. And I thought, I've got to deal with this. And and second, I say this because I'm your pastor and I love you and I care for you, but sometimes we in the church do not do a good job of what verses 11 and following say. Verse 10 says, Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you And then, right on the heels of that, we read, verse 11, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. Do you see that? That's pride. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and one judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? I don't believe it's an accident that the topic of how we speak about one another comes on the heels of a discussion about pride and humility. When we speak evil of one another whether it's to another person's face or behind their back, that is pride showing its ugly head. And church, we need that dead because the way we treat each other is the way we treat God because we are created in his image. And that very very thought comes from James 3, verse 7 through 10. Let me read this to us. Every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers, these things ought not to be so. If you're thinking, well, I humble myself before God, but then in pride, you're speaking evil of your neighbor, there's still a disconnect. And let's be honest about that. Because the way we treat our brothers and sisters, particularly, is the way we're going to treat God ultimately. Now, if you want to go home and have roast pasta for dinner, please feel free. That's okay. I've come to accept that. But I am asking for each other, please, let's have some humility and not speak evil of one another. Let's show kindness and compassion and love. You know, one of the greatest ways that I've seen that recently is in this group that's been meeting with Jehovah a Missionary Baptist and with a Holy Comforter. We've been meeting on Thursdays and we've been talking about racism and how racism has affected our relationships with one another. And I have heard men give testimony of where they were, where they are, and where they hope to be. And I have heard people humble themselves before others and admit that racism is a part of their lives and they don't want it to be. On both sides of the aisle. And you know what that has done? That has caused us as a group to be more knitted together because of the humility that's being shown. The same thing is true with our relationship with God. The more we humble ourselves, the more we'll find we are knitted together with our God. Because you see, drawing near to God requires humility. Drawing near to God requires humility. Let's look at this real quickly. Verse 6, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's the connection. As much as you show pride, you're pushing yourself away from God. But as you are showing humility, God is drawing you to himself. What is this grace that God gives us? It is ultimately Himself in Christ. The Savior who humbled Himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, and was willing to be buried and then rose from the dead. That Jesus shows us what humility looks like. Verse 7, Submit yourselves therefore to God If we're going to have a humble, good, connected relationship with God, we have to submit ourselves to Him. I've often said that submission is kind of a dirty word in our culture. It really is. Nobody wants to submit to anyone else because that just doesn't feel right in our American individualistic culture, our society. I am my own captain of my soul. I am the one who makes the decisions. I should not submit to anyone else. Don't tell me what to do. Right? Submission is about saying, I yield. I yield. And this passage clearly says, submit yourselves therefore to God. And how do we submit ourselves to God? We come to Jesus. We don't try to do it on our own. We don't try to do a lot of works and say, okay, I'm going to be better tomorrow. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to pray a lot. I'm going to read the scriptures a lot. I'm going to go out and serve people. I'm going to do this and do that. I'm going to join this club and this this Sunday school class. And I'm just going to do, 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 do. And if you're thinking that's what's going to cause you to be right with God, to connect with God, you're wrong. It's only through Jesus that you really connect with God. And to submit yourselves to God means to submit yourself to Jesus. To say, Jesus, I know you died for me. I know you rose from the dead for me. I yield. Verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. This is a great promise. Anytime you're feeling like, well, maybe God is aloof. Maybe God is distant. Maybe God just doesn't really care. If you draw near to him, you know he will draw near to you. And how do we draw near to God? Through Jesus. We come to Jesus. We go to Jesus and say, here's my sin. Here's my brokenness. Here's my failure. Here's everything that's wrong about me. I hand that over to you take it and make me into what you want me to be and when we have that attitude God is near he is with us in Christ uh, again I, I mentioned C.S. Lewis and Mere Christianity earlier here's another quote by him and I think this helps us as long as you are proud you cannot know God A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. It's a great turn of phrase. As long as I'm looking down at others, I feel like I shouldn't be up here. I feel like I should be down there. So I'm not looking down on you right now. As long as you're looking down on someone, you can't look up to see God to see the one who gave his son as the only sacrifice that will take care of our pride problem, who will connect us to God. We need humility because in order to know God through Jesus, there has to be a humble heart. And that's why God ends this passage, verse 10, humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. And how does He exalt us? He lifts us up into a relationship with Him that is set and secure in Jesus. He calls us His children. His beloved children in Christ. He even promises to share something of His glory with us in a new heaven and a new earth where we will reign with Christ forever and ever. That is our God saying, if you humble yourself, here is the promise I give to you. If you humble yourself to admit you're a sinner and you need Jesus, this is what you get. That sounds like a good deal to me. So your action point for today, and for always, at least in this life, Ask the Holy Spirit to cultivate within you the humility to draw near to God. Ask the Holy Spirit to cultivate within you the humility to draw near to God. Let me me take just a minute to tell you how I've found this playing out in my own life. When I feel like I'm too busy to pray, that's when I need humility. I'm not too busy to pray. I'm too busy not to pray. Because it's pride saying, well, rather than pray, I need to do something. I'm not saying you shouldn't do something, but I am saying if you just want to do something without the prayer, there's a problem. It's pride. I have found that when I go, you know what? I really don't need to read God's word. I don't really need to engage God's word today. I'm good. I know this stuff. I'm a pastor. I went to seminary. I I mean, this is what I do all my life. I just, I know this stuff. That's pride talking. I need to engage with the Word every day because my heart is deceptive and it will lead me astray. And when someone comes to me and says, Stuart, I have something I need to tell you, something you're not doing the right way. And I buck at that. That's pride. And that's those are three areas where I realize I need to humble myself so that God will lift me up. They may be different things for you, but for all of us, we need to recognize, we need the Spirit's help to cultivate within us A humility to draw us near to God. And so for all of us, by God's grace in Christ, let's grow in humility that we would connect with God deeply. And I'm going to pray for us that we'll be able to do that. Father, forgive us for our pride. It's a deep deep problem in all of us. We need humility. So Holy Spirit, cultivate within each of us real humility so that we will draw near to you. Amen.